In the late 16th century, a group of English settlers decided to bail in their home country and start a new life in a new colony in the New World. This exciting new adventure soon turned into a struggle to survive, a desperate plea for help, and then a disappearance that haunts historians to this very day. Was this a simple failure to thrive in a strange land, or was there a vast government conspiracy that doomed the colony from the very start? In this week's episode of HBH, we're taking a look at the facts and breaking down this mystery. Will we solve this disappearance here, today, in this very episode? No, of course not. We're, we're fucking idiots. But we do have a very interesting and very plausible theory to discuss, and who knows, we might have a few laughs along the way. So, grab a drink, settle in, and enjoy this episode of Hunter Proof History titled The Roanoke Colony. We ain't found shit. This is Hundred Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Oh, dude. About to go broke talking about Roanoke, pumping up oh. the jams. Ugh! Nice. Oh, I can't fucking wait, dude. I love stories without an ending. <laughs> History no, stories. We, we, ha- we, have a, we have an ending here. It's a very good theory. It's a very strong theory. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting story. Reading this book that we're about to talk about here in a second reminded me a lot of the show Unsolved Mysteries. I don't know if you got that vibe from it. But uh, because of that, I went back. I thought, hey, maybe we'll just mix in the Unsolved Mysteries theme. To this day, I still am creeped out by that theme song, and I'm like, nope, not doing it. Can't put really? that shit in there. <laughs> yeah. You know, it came out when I was like 10, 12. I don't know how old it was. But I'm sitting in, in my parents' room watching TV, and the sun's going down, and it's got the shades pulled, but you can still see like, the shadows coming through the shades and something white go past the window. 100% convinced it's the killer that Robert Stack's talking about. <laughs> He's there. The Zodiac Killer's in my bushes. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> kill me and my parents oh god not me you needed more adult supervision i did <laughs> they were busy fucking in the living room like oh this part of the house is ours right now go to our bedroom <laughs> we're tired of that room <laughs> ignore the smells <laughs> oh yeah. okay yeah no it was brandy uh, and cigarettes <laughs> an astro a little thing called come boy <laughs> Oh, you have a cum boy too? <laughs> you keep him in like a footlocker, like I do? Uh, that's severely inappropriate. Anyway. Yes, it is. Already, we're there. <laughs> the cum boy is of age. Oh, is he? Well, but yeah, I was a child. child. But I own the cum boy. It's very confusing. It's a confusing and. <laughs> I've, I've already uh, written myself into a corner. I'm like G- George R.R. R. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> The fucking song of ice and fire. Yeah. I don't know. The dragon showed up. The end. Okay, here we go. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because there is a character in this story who reminds me a lot of Littlefinger. We'll get to that in a little bit. The one season of Game of Thrones I've actually watched here reminds me of Littlefinger in that season. Like, I can't attest to the later seasons. You've only watched one season? Yep. That's really weird. Well, I finished, me and the wife, we sat down, we watched a full season, like, man, this is really good. We started the second season, like, they started introducing some magic stuff, like, and then we just got kind of disinterested and stopped watching. 
Oh, dude. A, yeah. It's so it, good for a while. It's caught in that limbo of, I want to watch it, but me and the wife want to watch it together, but then we don't actually watch it together, and when we're together, we'll watch something else, and be like, oh yeah, we should watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, probably should. Because we just fight when we're together, we don't actually <laughs> watch <much>. anything. <laughs> She's like, why do you keep putting on The Office over and over again? I've seen it 40 times. Like, well, a study shows that uh, people with anxiety uh, like to watch the same shows over and over again because it's comforting, and uh, you give me a lot of anxiety. You make me want to kill myself. So if I can watch Michael Scott do something funny, maybe I can fight off and the gloomies. And she says, well, you make me want to make you kill yourself. <laughs> and then it just snowballs. And, yeah. Well, the rest is history. Yeah. No Game of Thrones. No. No, no, not yet. Maybe someday. Maybe someday I'll finish it. She'll let me sit back downstairs and watch it with her. Maybe. I don't know. I'm saving up that hope for later. Oh, downstairs, huh? (laughs) Richie Rich over here. This podcast has really gone to his head. Whatever. I live on the roof of a trailer. That is dilapidated and falling apart. <laughs> the the box is up there. There's just a little uh, tiny a tiny ladder way that goes up there. Yeah, I had to build like a, a little shelter hole. shelter around the air vent so I can get some heat coming out of there. <laughs> Downside is I can hear her talking to her boyfriend in there saying, "How it's any day I'm just going to kill myself." But uh, jokes on her. Oh, man, listening to her and her boy, it's one of those like catch twenty twos. It's like. Mm-hmm. It hurts you to hear, but it also sexually arouses you. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, ah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I hear him say, hey, baby, I just sent you a pic. Uh, she can hear me shout through the roof, send it to me, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christopher, what is our source today? Our source is Roanoke, Solving the Mystery of the Lost Colony by Lee Miller. Uh, she is an anthropologist. She wrote this book. 2001 2002 um so it's it's stood the test of time there haven't been a lot of people to be able to question her theories i'm gonna put this book though in the do not recommend pile what's that it's it's not a very big pile but uh it's very anachronistic in the way it's written like nothing follows mm-hmm. a, a timeline and she does that on purpose because she can tell you a part of the story and then tell you the mystery behind that, and then the mystery behind this, and solve it all at the very end. Which I get. Yeah. But it's like, when you're researching for a history show... Yeah, it's so frustrating. It's a fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. It is a pain in the ass. Yeah, and even then, it's it's not very entertaining, I guess, is how I'd put it. Like, even if you weren't researching for a show, you just picked it up, and you wanted to know the story, it's frustrating to read, because she intentionally hides things until later... To make her points. It was talking about the life in London at the time. Yeah. For just a ton of pages. And I wanted <laughs> yeah. to wander off in the woods and off myself like this laundry kid. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, just subscribe to the Patreon. Get yeah. some hangovers on there and we talk about current events. No biggie. <sighs> but God, so it was it was rough. Yeah. I found myself skipping pages. Mm-hmm. Pages and pages, and it's still talking about fucking London. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the almighty goddamn fuck, Christ? <laughs> oh yeah, that, and then in the middle, it starts talking about people's rise to power within the 
English political system. You're like, oh, wasn't this book about Roanoke at some point? But, yep. uh, you know, she does present a very strong, interesting theory, and that's what we're going to discuss today. We're going to steal her thunder, give it to you guys. Uh, but uh, this is probably like one of four or five books we've read for the show that it's going in the do not recommend pile. Don't pick it up. Don't waste your time. Just listen to us. We'll tell you, baby. We'll tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. We'll lick your earlobe afterwards. Mm-hmm. Immediately fall asleep and start snoring because we're drunk. <laughs> you thought you had Mr. Wright. <laughs> no. 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 You're sorely mistaken, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, you want to dive into this crap? I mean, the story. It's an exciting, interesting story. Can't wait, ma'am. Let's do it. Well, we'll begin our story in the year 1587. Things in England, specifically London, were kind of super ultra shitty. There you go. I just summed up 40 pages of that book for you. (laughs) (laughs) People had abandoned the countryside and flocked to the city, causing massive overcrowding. The country was dealing with a famine after a year of bad harvests, and the Spanish, who had a very impressive naval armada, were constantly threatening to invade England. What's more, the country was going through something of a religious revolution. Tired of the strict rules of Catholicism and the immense political power of the Pope, Queen Elizabeth formed the Angelican Church. Now, this new church it led to some wild-ass times full of drinking, dancing, and fucking. Bars popped up all over London, and they even made fun of the uh, how filthy and disgusting the city was by taking on names like Go By The Wall or Lift The Leg. Uh, more... More bars just need to name themselves after where you piss. That's what I'm thinking. It'd be very helpful when I'm drunk. Oh, I'm not supposed to do it in the empty pitcher? <laughs> okay, I'm up ahead. I didn't want to get up. Ugh, I was having a good time. Well, from all that came a separatist movement led by the Puritans, who believe that fun is uh, for sinful assholes who will spend eternity in hell for daring to enjoy the way their genitals feel when someone else touches them. Joke's on them. I'm not going to hell. (laughs) (laughs) But by 1587, Queen Elizabeth and her bros were sick of the Puritans trying to harsh their buzz, and a big crackdown was coming on the separatist movement, which would mean exile from the country or execution. In the middle of this was 117 English citizens who were all moist in their nether regions to hop on a ship and create a new colony in America, specifically in what they referred to as Virginia. Bunch of fucking morons. Like, don't even know where Virginia is. Come on. It's right there on the map, stupid. Unbelievable. Yeah, just a little bit north of North Carolina. Come on. And they're like, West Virginia? No, that doesn't make sense. That's uh, that's the entire continent, right? That's everything? It's not a separation that happened because of the Civil War? It's like they don't even know history. These fucking idiots. But because no one kept their confirmation codes from their travel itinerary emails... We don't actually know very much about these colonists on an individual level. So no one knows the actual reason why they left, but it would make sense if they were those religious separatists, those Puritans, fleeing religious persecution. And that's one of the things that was frustrating to read about this story. And this is by no means the fault of the author. There's just so much information lost at time. Right. That it's just unavailable. It is unsolvable. You're like, why did these people go there? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Not a lot of records about it. Well, yeah. I'm trying to do a fucking show here. God damn it. 
I don't want to tell I don't want to tell the listener over and over like well <laughs> you know, it's not a good look right well that's why we're just going to tell them what we think happened and present it as the truth and make well makes sense to me it all adds up because they're hiding the evidence that contradicts it from me that's how we do they this yes it's in the bushes outside your parents' fucking bedroom. Shut up. Next to the cum bucket. <laughs> the bucket. Well, that's what the cum boys disposal unit, yeah. Okay, I was about to say my dad was not that virile. I know that for a fact. Okay. <laughs> Where do you think I get my last drop of toothpaste in the toothpaste tube from? Yeah, but he ate a lot of celery, so like, <laughs> not necessarily virile, but there's a lot. It was voluminous. <laughs> Like a, the Pantene Pro V of ejaculation, <laughs> but like I don't know what to, that means. But towards the end, when the bottle is running out, and you're like, "Oh, let's put some water in that. Give it a few more days." <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It was less potent, but uh, it's the job. It's a lot. It's a lot. You're here, a successful podcaster. So mm, yeah, still not sure who my real dad is, but we'll find out someday. <laughs> Well, the man in charge of this expedition was Sir Walter Raleigh. This dude is, uh, he's actually a pretty big figure in English history, so he probably deserves his own story, but, uh, as it relates to just this story, there's a few things you need to know. Raleigh was a rich gentleman who wore clothes so wild and glittery that he would make Elton John look like me in the third grade. Oh? Oh, I, that's all I got. They should know. They, sh they should know what I look like in third grade. Very flamboyant young Sheldon. <laughs> no, no. We were very poor. And so, you know, every morning I'd wake up early, empty my dad's cum bucket, which was just filled to the brim. Just ridiculous amounts of cum every morning. <laughs> Childhood chores, am I right? Right. And then I'd go in, throw on my school clothes, which was made out of potato bags, but not, you know, the ones you're thinking of that are made out of burlap and would cover the whole body. I basically had to fashion a two-piece bikini out of the plastic bags the potatoes come in and put that little plastic clip that ties the bag on my penis to tuck it back so it wouldn't show through the plastic. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Who thinks of this shit? Quote, <laughs> author of the cum bucket and cum boy. <laughs> yes, who oh. thinks of this fictional story? <laughs> Jesus. Dare make something up. Uh, you know, it's not a trauma from his childhood. It's not real at all. <laughs> <laughs> but ladies, if you want a plastic bag bikini, hit up my Etsy. Low prices. <laughs> well, Raleigh was one of the Queen's best buddies, and he had a contract guaranteeing him the right to establish a colony in America. His brother Gilbert had actually been the first one to get that contract, but he died before he could set anything up. Raleigh had organized and funded two trips to America before 1587, one which resulted in the establishment of Roanoke as a sort of military base, because the island was protected by barrier islands, and a reef which made it hard to access. And when Queen Elizabeth decided to kick all the Puritans out of England, Raleigh opposed the measure. So it makes sense that Raleigh would help pay for 117 separatists to set up a new colony. And that's kind of how we get there. Like, hey, these motherfuckers need to go anyway. I'll pay for it. No big deal. And it makes sense also if you think about the Mayflower, which were also Puritans who came to America. They were fleeing persecution. And it's always funny because you think, oh, 
they're getting picked on because the religion's too strict. It's like, no, they're getting picked on because they don't think the religion is strict enough. Like, oh, these guys are drinking and partying. This is fucking bullshit. Nobody's going to church anymore. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, you're killing our fucking party, man. Get out of here. Please leave. Please stop passing out religious pamphlets at my kegger. Jesus. Yeah. It, I mean, that, that really sums it up. I always figured that uh, they were just more lax. And it's, yeah. it's the opposite. Yeah. And it's quite the opposite. Yeah. They came to America because they wanted strict rules and <laughs> suckers. 400 years later, idiots. Look at us. What do you mean? Oh, you know, just fill up the cum bucket every day, making bikinis out of plastic. Uh, you know, can't have regular abortions in Texas. Yeah, maybe, well, maybe they're fucking on to something. <laughs> just saying. Either way, on May 8th, 1587, most of the settlers boarded a ship piloted by a dude named Simon Fernandez. Sir Walter Raleigh wasn't actually taking part in the trip, and so a painter named John White was placed in charge as captain of the expedition. Two other ships, including one carrying other settlers, joined the fleet. Both White and Fernandez had been to Roanoke on previous expeditions, but to White that was largely irrelevant because the colony was to be established in the far more accessible Chesapeake Bay, which is about 200 miles north of Roanoke. So you're like, wait a second. They're supposed to go to Chesapeake. Why, why, why are we talking about Roanoke here? Mm -hmm. Just keep up. Just pay attention. That's a clue. That's a Robert Stack whispering in your ear. They weren't supposed to be there. You're not supposed to be here right now either. And he licks the earlobe. Puts it in his mouth. And he kisses it. Yeah. You want to solve a mystery? Mystery of what's in my pants? And then I start crying because I'm freaked out. You know, that might actually What are you doing, something... Uncle Rob? <laughs> <laughs> that might actually have something to do with why that theme song still creeps me out. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> you forgot to mention that he was your uncle. And that he was there in the room while my parents yes. were in the living room. Yes. Yeah. They're busy, boy. Details still coming back. You know, I tried to block them out, but they're still poof. Yeah. Oh. Intrusive thoughts, if you will. Yeah. I don't know why I'm hard right now, but uh, I'll continue the story. Well, eight days into the trip, the flyboat carrying some of the settlers and a whole lot of supplies was stranded off the coast of Portugal. Simone Fernandez said, fuck it, and left them behind and headed for their next destination, Santa Cruz, which was a part of the Virgin Islands. The Puritans were like, thank God. Those islands aren't having <laughs> premarital sex. <laughs> The expedition had been at sea for over a month before they reached the tropical paradise of Santa Cruz. During that month, they had to live on the typical road trip fare of beef jerky and Funyuns. And their bodies were desperately craving some vitamin C. And what happens when you have a lack of vitamin C? Scurvy. That's right. It's what pirates get. Mm-hmm. So you gotta get that vitamin C. So luckily for them, they found a small green fruit, and it was similar to an apple, on the island of Santa Cruz. They were all like, hey, uh, Simone is cool. Cool for eating things. He's good to eat. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> you fucking. <laughs> mm -hmm. Bro, get out your camera. Watch this shit. <laughs> What's going to happen? Well, whatever those fruits were, they caused a burning sensation on the tongue, immense pain, swollen faces, and hilarious amounts of diarrhea. Which this, you know, starts to beg the question. This dude's been here before. Mm-hmm. He knew the answer to this question. Yeah. Why did he lead them astray? 
Yeah. We may never know. Or you may find out in a few minutes. But we may never know. You may never know if you find out in a few minutes, because you could die. You could <laughs> yep. be driving right now and then suddenly die. Just Yes. I want I want you to put life into perspective. <laughs> you know, really just break things down on an existential level right now. Yeah. What happened to the people at Roanoke? What's about to happen to me? Wait, is something about to happen to me? Mm. What is it? Where will I go when I die? <laughs> Am I already dead? Anyway, continue the story. Well, they all punched out now. He's like, well, if I'm going to die, I'm not wasting my fucking last minutes listening to this shit. Nope. I don't know why they waste any minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but more fun was had when they found the only water source on Santa Cruz was a tiny little pond full of stagnant water. Those who drank it found that, uh, like the fruit, it burned their faces and caused them to swell up to the point where they couldn't see for days. And of course, if they drank it, they got even more never not funny bouts of diarrhea. <laughs> oh, gotta love the diarrhea. I do. It just sneaks up on you. Yeah. You're thinking you're getting a regular Cleveland steamer? Nope. A watery surprise. What's this? <laughs> oh, I can get it everywhere. Oh, God. <laughs> Too far. I need to put the little uh, raincoat on like uh, I'm in the first three rows of a Gallagher show. <laughs> Waiter, can I, get the, can I get that bib for lobsters right here? <laughs> oh, well, little known fact. Simone Fernandez was a skilled accredited ship pilot who had been to the Caribbean then known as the West Indies, many, many times. He was even the pilot who guided the ships on both of the previous expeditions to Roanoke. One of the bays around it is even named Port Fernandinho after him. So, you know, like I said, it's just a little surprising that he would allow his passengers to just get that poisoned food and that that uh, nasty, nasty water. Mm -hmm. And uh, just let them, let them go ahead. Unless you wanted it to happen. Well, by July 1st, the expedition found itself in beautiful Puerto Rico. It was then that John White said, Hey, uh, bro, this food we got on ship is bland as shit, man. I've been over here in Puerto Rico before. I know where to get some salt. We're going to go get it. But Simone Fernandez said it was too dangerous and they had to stay on board. Well, the actual issue is salt is a preservative and the settlers needed to keep their food, specifically their meat, from rotting. They'd also hoped to get some livestock and vegetables from the island, but they were denied that opportunity as well. Oh man, no, what if what if a storm comes and we can't pick you back up, or you know, you get killed by the Spanish? I'd feel just terrible, so you can just starve to death instead. <laughs> uh, what are you gonna do, you know? Yeah. What are you gonna do? Captain's orders. These are hard times. Yep. But even though he wouldn't let them go to Puerto Rico, an Irish sailor named Darby Gland, who was working on the ship as a prisoner, escaped and ran straight to the Spanish to tell them that the English were about to build a colony. Strangely, he told them that the colony would be on Roanoke Island, even though the plan is for the colony to be settled in Chesapeake Bay. Hmm. hmm. How did he know? Begs the question... By this time, it was getting to be late in the summer. Time was of the essence for the settlers. They needed to get to Chesapeake Bay, get established, and start trying to farm, even though it was almost too late in the year to plant anything. 
Not only that, hurricane season was rapidly approaching and the ships needed to be headed back to England by mid-August. Fernandez knew this, but uh, for some reason, the guy who had been to this region several, several times, the credited pilot, needed to spend several days at a dead stop so he could quote-unquote get his bearings. Just stand on the bow like, okay, England's that way, so America's probably... No, no, let me check the maps again. Give me Yonder? Map. <laughs> yeah. England's hither. America's got to be yon. Yeah. <laughs> On July 22nd, the ships arrived at the barrier islands that protected Roanoke. When the English were last on Roanoke in 1585, they had left behind a fort with 15 soldiers. As he was pulling up to the bay, Fernandez told the settlers he needed them to go ashore, check on the soldiers, and see if they needed any help. Okay, send them to the civilians. Okay, fine, we'll go. But once they were loaded onto a smaller boat that was capable of entering the harbor, he shouted, Psych! And as we've discussed before, that legally allowed him to change his mind. The settlers were told it was too late to go to Chesapeake Bay, and they'd have to settle in Roanoke. When they reached the island, the settlers must have been super stoked to find out that the fort had been destroyed. There was no sign of 14 of the 15 soldiers that were supposed to be there, but at least they knew where the 15th soldier was because they found his bleached bones resting in the sand. It's going great. Everything's great, man. Just, uh, only one person, <laughs> only one person's confirmed dead. The rest might be uh, wandering the swamps of Florida, for all we know. And still are to this day. Mm-hmm. Hanging out with Brian Laundry. But hey, man, you know what? Times are hard, but people persevere. That's just what we do. So John White ordered his colony to take the remnants of the fort and the surrounding houses and build new homes for the settlers. Fortunately for them, on July 25th, that flyboat that had been abandoned in Portugal soon showed up on port and delivered much-needed supplies and the remainder of the 117 settlers. Yay, we made it! Oh, we're going to need a lot of food and water, but we're all here now. <laughs> hey, guys, we brought some uh, brought some chips to the party. You got beer and shit, right? Like, oh, no, no. They wouldn't let us get off the boat in Puerto Rico. We got we got nothing. We have absolutely nothing. Can we have your chips? Mm. I mean, they're they're spicy. They're, they're flaming hot Cheetos. You probably won't like them. They'll probably be too hot for you. But uh... They're just desperate for, like... Any sort of help, and then somebody comes along and throws a roll of paper towels at him. <laughs> there you go. Oh, problem solved. <laughs> oh, that guy's an idiot. I can't believe that shit. <laughs> it's a real thing that happened. <laughs> From the wettest hurricane in, the, in terms of water. You know, just give him some bounty, the quicker picker-upper. You seen those commercials? <laughs> hurricane over. Yeah, you just put, and it only takes one sheet. The competitors, yeah. it takes like three. And it's always that blue water. They're spilling. It's the same period water. <laughs> yeah, like the, the same one they put on the maxi pads. <laughs> Somewhere out there, there's like a mom and pop you know, company in uh, like Ohio that they just make blue water for commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Been in the family business since 1906. I don't want to do this. I want to go to college. Be a doctor, Dad. You'll make blue water and you'll fucking love it. Step one, get water. Step two, <laughs> put food coloring in water. Step three, reap all the benefits. 
this awful life, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Life's about more than money. No. You will take your blue water money and you will be happy, son. <laughs> or you will buy happiness. You can't do that, Dad. Me and Justin are leaving. <laughs> this makes me picture a uh, there will be blood version of blue water. <laughs> I drink your blue Kool-Aid. <laughs> I drink it up. <laughs> All right, anyway. When out those sailors were there, that was more mouths to feed. You know, no big deal. White ordered the colonists to go out in the island marshes and hunt for crabs and other delicious shellfish. But little did they know, Native Americans were also there hunting deer. Later that day, colonist George Howell was found floating face down with 16 arrows in his back and his head bashed in by clubs. To this day, we still don't know what killed him. Sorry, just adding to the mystery. It's a trademark suicide, man. Just uh, Mm -hmm. realized he had the clap and just fell on 17 arrows. (laughs) Well, if you're thinking Fernandez had dropped off the colonist and booked it out of there, man, he's like, hey, we don't have time to go Chesapeake Bay. Well, you'd be wrong. That same dude who said, hey, we it's 200 miles. We got to go. We got to fucking go. Spent 36 days hanging out in the harbor outside of Roanoke, gathering supplies and making minor repairs to his ship. Sunning himself out on the deck. Dick flopping in the wind while his people are starving on the island. <laughs> oh, I wish my dick could flop in the wind. <laughs> He's out mean it was like... It's long enough to be pliable in order to <laughs> have a flop to it just from the power of wind. Yeah. yeah. I'm envious of this man. It's like a slinky that doesn't expand anymore. Just yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> now, the sellers weren't just a bunch of hapless rubes. There just wasn't a lot they could do about Fernandez fucking them over. Not at that time, at least. So, on August 22nd, the community leaders went to John White and asked him to return to England and tell them that they needed supplies ASAP or they weren't going to make it. White didn't want to go, but he agreed, and he told them all to move 50 miles into the American mainland and set up a better settlement. He also told them to write where they were going on a door and to put a cross over the name if they were forced to go there because of a violent threat like the Spanish or Native Americans. And just, I know that I space out when I listen to podcasts sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listener, don't space out on what he just said. Maybe maybe rewind it if, if you were spaced out. Very important facts. Yeah. yeah. Important things to know. It will be important later, yeah. Well, here's another reason is believe the settlers might have been Puritan separatists. They sent their governor instead of a regular pleb. Instead of some dude who could die on the trip. They're like, please, governor, go. Back in England, basically the only supporter of the separatists was Raleigh who also organized the expedition. The colonists needed someone who held a position of authority, like Governor John White, to plead with Raleigh to save them because the rest of the government wouldn't give a shit if a bunch of separatists died on an island far, far away, as you will see as we get further into this story. On August 27th, John White hopped on the flyboat and headed for England. He arrived in October and instantly began to plead for help for his colonists. The English government promptly responded, After three fucking years. In 1590, John White hitched a ride on a pirate ship and arrived back in Roanoke. But when he landed ashore, he found the colony was completely abandoned. 
On a nearby tree, he found someone had carved the letter C-R-O. They were trying to spell it Credence Clearwater Revival, but they got the O and like, oh, that's fucking wrong, and I've carved it into a fucking tree. Ah, they never know what my favorite band is now. I'll just mark that out. Worst joke in this podcast's <laughs> history right there, Wolf, ladies and gentlemen. Wolf Dick, give me the swish. Nothing but net from downtown. That's what that was. Don't you make Wolf Dick find new sounds. Okay? <laughs> That's my job. Okay. I make him find new sounds. All right, Wolf Dick, do the swish. Oh. See? Yeah, you have all the power here. I know. I know. I feed him. <laughs> Occasionally, yes. It's our invalid producer for anybody not in the know. Any new listeners. Yeah. Wolf Dick, not Dick Wolf of, mm-hmm. you know, television fame. Right. With somebody completely separate. Yes. An invalid with the use of, like, I don't know, two fingers and didn't a testicle move or something? Yeah. yeah can I make can't one remember this shit. <laughs> can't keep up with these. These lies. <laughs> Tell the listener. Anyway, please continue. On the wall surrounding the colony, someone had carved Croatoan. That was the name of an island that was nearby, and there was no cross carved above it, so White assumed the colony had relocated to Croatoan Island to seek help from the natives living there. But before he could explore that island, rough seas and storms forced the expedition to abandon the bay and return to England. Three years later, White would write a letter detailing the failed colony and the missing settlers. The way it was written made it seem like the suicide note of a broken man. He said, yeah, I killed her. Yeah, I did it. She was back-talking me. She was stinking up the van with her dirty feet. So then, I'm going out to the Florida Keys, but uh, you can tell John Wash to suck my dick. He's never going to find my body. Or sons. I'm sorry, that was an insensitive joke. <laughs> Callback joke to a thing like only the patrons are going to hear. Yep. Well, fuck <laughs> everybody else. They're dying laughing right now. Everybody else got the <laughs> biggest fucking question mark. John Walsh, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's the laundry boy. He fucking did it. And kill Probably. Him. Yeah, and John Walsh wants him to kill himself. Yes. yes You're yes, up to speed. Well, after he sent that letter, John White completely disappeared from the historical record. So, what the fuck, right? Why did Simone Fernandez do everything he could to fuck over the expedition? Why the fuck did he send him to Roanoke? Why the fuck did the natives instantly start killing the people? What in the ever-loving fuck happened to the 115 colonists that disappeared? If you want answers to those questions, you're gonna have to come back after the break. Mm, That's a big ask. Set the hooks. Got him. But that's a big ask after you our 10-second break we're about to have. You just got to reel him in, Greg. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, it feels like a good place to take a break since I said you'll find out after the break. So let's do that. Let's get some more booze in us. <laughs> that's why it feels like a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I need to go empty the cum bucket and yep. uh, we'll see you on the other side. All right. Love you. All right, we are back from that very long extended break. 
You guys were just sitting on the edge of your seat. Maybe you've already solved the mystery. Maybe you sat down, did a bunch of research in that long break, and we're like, hey, figured it out. Don't even need the second half. But I, I feel like most of you, you're going to need Greg to tell you what happened. I kind of feel like you're, you're mostly idiots, and we need to spell it out for you to begin with. So, And even if that's not the case, guys, honestly, it's just it's good to feel needed. So <laughs> yeah. thank you for at least uh, allowing me the illusion that you want or need my help in some way. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I have nothing. I yeah. have nothing. <laughs> it's like, you know, you show up early for the concert and you feel bad if you aren't paying attention to the opening act, you know, like you're <laughs> on your phone, maybe having a drink, talking loudly while their girlfriends are up front, like really enjoying the show. Like, it's kind of like that. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for giving the effort, making us feel like uh, art, art is appreciated, you know? Quote, unquote. Yeah art anyway here's dave matthews band i know that's why you're fucking here okay (laughs) (laughs) don't drink the brown colored water no i will (laughs) i will dave matthews i love my whiskey well it's not time to drink brown water it's time to drink the clear water with a little bit of a little bit of flavor a little bit of spice added and by that greg i mean it's time for a second half seltzer Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half Alright. Three, two, one. Let's pop our tops. Mine was already popped. I'm sorry. You got the bang seltzer. God, it's awful. They're my wife's. <laughs> I mean, if anybody comes over. And I've got seltzers. They're my wife's. Right. Unequivocally. (laughs) But these are actually my wife's, and I fucking hate them. Do they have caffeine like a bang or? No, that's not allowed. It's just a seltzer? Oh, that's true. Yeah, they made that illegal because of Four Loco. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, that's right. No, but they still have that super amount of flavor that you're used to with bangs. It's too much. The fake sugar flavor. Non refreshing. Yeah. Oh, God. This one's pina colada. Mm hmm. If you like pina colada, turned up to 100 and concentrated in your veins, that's what this <laughs> shit tastes like. God. Well, I'm an idiot because I'm still drinking my fall collection, and this is apple crisp. And I was like, oh, crisp apple. Like, it's just going to have a real strong apple. No, it tastes like a baked apple pie. Yeah. With cinnamon sugar, like an apple crisp. Like, that did not connect in my brain. Yes, the, the name of the thing is the thing <laughs> yeah. it's trying to taste like. Yes, correct. Yes. Yeah. I was like, oh, crisp apple. Mm, it's going to taste nice and refreshing. It's going to apple flavor. You don't get a lot of apple flavored seltzers. No, it tastes like a baked good. Ooh, it's going to be a struggle. But uh, we'll both suffer together while you tell the people the rest of the story. Oh, I can't wait. Well, how about we start with one of the easier questions about Roanoke to answer? And that is, why were the Native Americans hostile towards the colonists? Now, you might be thinking it was a simple reaction to having your territory invaded by foreigners with unknown intentions, but the truth is, several of the local tribes treated the Europeans like dickheads because two years earlier, the Europeans had been complete and total dickheads. Funny how that works out. In 1585, the second expedition to Roanoke was launched by Raleigh. England was at war with Spain, and he proposed that they establish a military base there so they could attack Spanish ships in the Caribbean and capture some of that precious, precious Spanish gold. 
Of course, it would also help him to stay rich because he had to establish a colony in Virginia soon or else he was going to lose the uh, lucrative contract. Yeah, and just to clarify, make sure there's no confusion, this is two years before our main story. Like, 1587 is when that main one happened. This is the second expedition of three in 1585, Mm. just to make sure they're on the same page. Well, on this expedition, the naval campaign would be led by Raleigh's cousin, Richard Grenville. The land forces were commanded by a dude named Ralph Lane. These two guys fucking hate each other and were constantly trying to prove the other one was a worthless piece of shit. 100 Proof History (laughs) (laughs) They fought and bickered all the way to Virginia, and factions were formed among the soldiers. But once they were there, everything seemed to go pretty well at first. The tribes they encountered were super friendly and more than willing to share their food and their copper with the English explorers. Among this group was John White, who spent the trip composing drawings and paintings of the natives. But then Ralph Lane realized that one of his favorite silver cups was missing and assumed that one of the natives in a village that he had just left had stolen it. Racist. Bullshit. Probably just dropped it somewhere, you know? But he's like, it's I don't my know favorite. if that's racist. That's kind of racist. I'm not saying he wasn't racist, but you go somewhere and then it's gone. You're going to assume the brand new people you were just with that do not have access to silver, maybe they would be the ones that might have stolen it. They could have been fucking white, too, you know? Mm-hmm. He still would have thought that. Mm-hmm. Let me see who I'm you just really saying are. he was also racist. <laughs> Probably. Let me see Everybody who was. Greg really is. True colors shining through. Nine! <laughs> Nine true. Nine true. <laughs> That's perfect German, by the way. It is. It was. It's amazing. Well, the soldiers went back to that village and demanded the cup be returned. When the natives said, what fucking cup? The English had a um, measured, Mm -hmm. carefully uh, appropriate response of burning down the entire fucking village. And they destroyed all of the stored food just to show (laughs) them that nobody fucks with England. (laughs) Fuck, dude. (laughs) Oh. Just a fucking Yeti? Right. Damn. Uh, those are expensive. <laughs> oh, too expensive, if you ask me. Insulated. And it, it, my drink's probably still cold in there, okay, guys? I, I need that rum and coke. It's just going to help me get through the weekend. Got to go to a kid's soccer game, Girl Scout meetings. Come on. Where's my fucking cup? <laughs> Whatever teepee you hit it in, it's still going to be cold. I know it. No, no hard feelings. <laughs> Am I racist? No. Is that racist for saying TP? I don't think so. I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. Well, then Richard Grenville was like, that was fucking stupid, but we have a boat full of cool shit now, so let's bail. But Lane said he was going to build a fort instead and kept about a hundred dudes with him. John White smartly hopped on the boats. The natives told Lane he could build his fort on Roanoke. But since they burned a whole lot of the food, the tribes wouldn't be sharing shit with the English. Seems fair. Seems pretty fair. Yeah. Yeah, y'all can build on that fucking island, but uh, we're not going to help you. Yeah. And we might kill you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, I, the last part was supposed to be internal. Contract just says won't help. Doesn't say won't hurt, okay? I didn't see the parentheses around we might kill you. That was supposed to be an internalized <laughs> thought. I'm sorry I didn't mean it. Just reading the script and it, the parentheses really caught me off guard. I'm sorry. Oh, 
Our lawyers will take that out. You guys won't get in the final contract. You won't see that. Don't worry about it. We'll be there. <laughs> well, this whole deal, quote unquote, briefly changed when European diseases began to ravage the native population. And they thought it was punishment for not helping the English. But when they kept dying even after they brought Lane food, they decided they had misinterpreted the situation completely. It's like that story you told me about how you thought you could appease your uncle by just, you know, going with it. Like, you know, if, if I just let it happen, he'll he'll stop eventually, you know. And then, uh, you know what? Didn't happen. He still kept making you watch Dark Side of the Moon synced up to Wizard of Oz. Okay, I was going to say. And you're like, God, God. This, and this also, I just started being able to be allowed to drink at the legal age of 21. Yes. 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 It's a very important part of the story about watching The Wizard of Oz. Wouldn't want the listener to think my uncle was being untoward at a lesser age, if you will. Yeah. Yep. You fucked me when I was a kid. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh. It's like we're walking through the minefield, we're doing really good, make it to the other side, and you're like, no, watch this, and you take like a belly flop back into the minefield. <laughs> it was right after I voted. Yeah. It was my first, the vote was actually held on my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. So, all real, real legal, real cool. Yep. We saved it. We pulled him off the, the mine <laughs> just in time. Anyway, <laughs> Over the following ten months, Lane and his men became desperate to exert their authority and seek the source of the copper, which they believed to be at least a hundred miles inland, if not more. In the process, they destroyed the food supply on Croatoan, wiped out native populations, captured a king, held his son hostage, and beheaded another king. Just uh, winning hearts and minds here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, then, when reinforcements arrived, Lane said, fuck this bullshit island, and left for England, another bullshit island. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, Richard Grinfell returned with supplies only to find the fort deserted. To maintain an English presence in Sir Walter Raleigh's claim to the land, he left 15 soldiers behind to man the fort. Within a year, they would all be killed. Like, he shows up with his ship full of supplies, you know, he's two weeks late to the party. It's like, well, everybody's fucking gone. I'm sure everything went great. There's probably no problems here. I mean, I know we murdered a bunch of people and burned down their village before when I was here, but they probably smoothed that over. Some diplomatic meetings, you know. That taught them a lesson, so yeah. they're not going to violate, you know, now. Yeah, not going to do anything to these this whole army of 15 dudes he's leaving behind. Like, how does he pick those 15? Like, oh... That guy's been sleeping with my wife. That guy's been posting pictures of him. That guy's been jerking off to the pictures. Guess what? You're leading my expedition. You're heroes. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that said, naturally, when John White arrived in 1587, the local tribes weren't super psyched to see more white dudes jumping off a boat and setting up shop. On August 1st, 1587, he made contact with the natives of Croatoan, who basically said they wouldn't attack the settlers, but they sure shit weren't going to feed them either. And keep in mind, this is a different group from the ones this already happened to. Yeah, this is the 
the Roanoke settlers who are just like fresh off the boat and they feel all happy to be in America, have no idea what happened two years earlier. They're like, hey guys, uh, we don't have enough supplies. You guys want to give us like some corn or something? You know, like, uh, got any canned goods, some non-perishable items you can <laughs> drop off? And like, no, get fucked. You, you know, oh, oh no, that no, seems no. aggressive. <laughs> Jeez. Well, little known fact, Gregory, when White made this arrangement, the English gave the natives of Croatone badges to identify themselves as peaceful. Very important. There's a lot of tribes in the area. You need to know who you're dealing with. Give them the old yellow star for their jack. No, 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 no. Sorry. Too far. Too far. Well, following the killing of George Howe, the settlers launched an attack on the first natives they saw, which of course turned out to be natives wearing said badges who had absolutely nothing to do with Howe's death. It's a whoopsie. Now, the pilot of the 1587 expedition, Simone Fernandez, knew what had happened in 1585. It would know that there was no food on Roanoke Island, and the natives were likely to attack and kill any new colonists. And if they didn't, then surely once he released Irish prisoner Darby Gland and told him to go snitch to the Spanish, they would come and wipe out the colonists, who would have almost no way of defending themselves. But why was Simone Fernandez so horny to kill a bunch of separatist Puritans? The most likely answer, that he was put up to it by someone much, much more powerful. Bob Barker. So much intrigue. You might not believe it, but a dude like Sir Walter Raleigh, who rose from almost nothing to become a fabulous dresser and BFF of Queen Elizabeth, well, he had some powerful enemies. Bob the most Barker. Sorry. <laughs> The most powerful of these was a guy named Sir Francis Walsingham. Francis Walsingham was an English Secretary of State, and he wanted three things. To be rich, to be powerful, and to kill the shit out of some Catholics. He was also the English spymaster who had a huge network of spies and people who owed him debts they could never repay. And this is our little finger we're talking about. At least I'm talking about from the one season of Game of Thrones that I've watched. I'm sure he doesn't change as a character or grow at all in the other seven seasons of the show. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. I don't think he lasts that many seasons. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah me either. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the network of spies, the people who owed him debts, they couldn't mm -hmm. pay, right? Yeah. It's a lot of power to hold. Yep. And uh, one such example would be Simone Fernandez. Whoa. The in pilot 15... of the expedition? Correct. Oh, my gosh. Correct. I know. Oh, the the weaving of this tale. Believe you me, listener. <laughs> We're through the looking glass, people. Oh, my goodness. In 1577, Fernandez was accused of murdering seven Portuguese sailors while acting as a pirate. He was actually, like, on, on set. <laughs> acting. <laughs> But they'd go back for cordials in between takes, and he yeah. would uh, slit their throats. Oh, okay. And then, and then uh, this is just from what I read, and this is kind of off record. Uh -huh. This is not canon. Mm -hmm. So it's probably not real, but it could be. Heard that he was uh, filleting the dead bodies after he would do oh, that. Oh, my God. So. I had heard that he, he did slit most of their throats, but he also 
one of them, he's like, hey, you want to see this gun that I showed to my buddy Brandon Lee when I was in The Crow? And then just blasted that guy right in the Man. face. I was thinking of a, <laughs> a murdering on set Brandon Lee reference and mm, chef's kiss to you. <laughs> but no, like actually being a pirate is how he was accused. This was not a movie oh. in 1577. So in case there's any confusion out there. All the movies back then sucked anyways. The fucking eight-year-olds listening, they're like, well, that was, that was when TV was black and white. <laughs> African-American and white, please, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, both murder and piracy each carry death sentences. Double death. That, Double super, death. Yeah. yeah. Kill you, fucking dig you up and do it again. Frankenstein your body because we can do this. This is around the time Frankenstein's happening. Bring it back. Kill your ass again. Mm, that's a good book. Yeah. That is a good book. We should have read that instead of this book. <laughs> <laughs> Just do a history podcast on fucking Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> it's just us with our library and glasses pulled down over our nose reading the cliff notes to everybody. Like, oh. <laughs> it says the monster represents the failings of mankind. Huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys know the monster's not named Frankenstein? That's new, right? Nobody knows that shit. That's weird. Yeah. Well, after an inquest, Fernandez was mysteriously released, and less than a year later, he led an expedition to America that was funded by Walsingham. So if Walsingham instructed Fernandez to sabotage the 1587 expedition, he would have had plenty of reasons to do so. Don't Frankenstein my corpse. I'll do it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, let's kill him. Fuck it. But why would Walsingham tank one of his country's own colonies? Why does any politician do anything ever? Sex money. with boys. Oh, yeah, money. <laughs> <laughs> well, it turns out Walsingham was flat out broke. His spying cost him a fucking fortune to run and maintain. And because old Tommy Laws made no sense whatsoever... He had recently inherited the massive debt of his dead son-in-law. Sucks. That's fun. Oh, it would be a good fuck you to my father-in-law to do that. Like, oh, your daughter hates me? You hate me? Whatever. Here's my massive debt. Take out all your savings, go to Vegas, throw it all on black. Mm-hmm. If you win, throw it all on black. <laughs> if you just keep doing this until you lose, right? Yeah. Just leave that fucking massive debt pile. Oh, yeah. yeah suck it. Fuck you, daddy-in-law. <laughs> or as he actually prefers me to call him leather daddy-in-law, but... <laughs> it's a long story. <sighs> yeah, very long story. Now, in 1586, Walsingham had big plans to get rich by orchestrating the execution of Mary Stuart, Queen of the Scots. The Scots being of Scotland. Oh, not just yes. a bunch of dudes named Scott. No, Because I was no, about to say, no. I've, I have the same nickname in a certain area of town, but, you know, whatever. Hey, Scotty Bobody. <laughs> well, Mary, a Catholic, had a somewhat rightful claim to the throne of England through her father, James V of Scotland. Because of this, the Angelican Protestant, Queen Elizabeth, had her confined to various castles for pretty much all of her adult life. Supposedly, a very rich dude named... Anthony Babington came up with a plot to assassinate Queen Elizabeth and make Mary Stuart the new queen. 
unknown to Babington, his guild of assassins was just chock full of fucking Walsingham spy network, you know? Mm -hmm. They're all part of it. They're all in on it. <laughs> like, yeah, you should do that. You should do that. Give me copies of everything. Just write this down. <laughs> CC me on that email, okay, bro? Yeah, oh, dude, I totally agree. Sign this letter that I agree with you trying to assassinate Queen Elizabeth. Do that, yeah. Speaking to this flower on my lapel. <laughs> You're, all of your examples are very anachronistic. I was trying to at least like <laughs> they could be letters. part of the time. Yeah, you could sign a letter saying that yeah, this guy did hear my plot. <laughs> You're just fucking bringing up electronics and shit, god damn it. I'm sorry, I'm ruining your history podcast. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> <laughs> well, wouldn't you know it, those spies were able to produce a copy of a deciphered letter from Mary Stewart to Babington consenting to the plot to kill Elizabeth. Babington and Mary Stewart were convicted and executed, and Walsingham just knew that he could lay claim to Babington's massive estate. Be rich as fuck again. Yes! Yeah. Finally, I'm back on top! It's a big logic Shari leap. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. Big leap in logic to go, okay, well, I, uh, I caught the guy, so I get all his shit, right? That's how this works? Like, I get his, his land? And uh, also important note that the letter was probably definitely 100% forged, and they tried and convicted Mary on that evidence. When they you know, knew it was forged. Yeah, they didn't care. That's how they, shit worked back then, man. It was power yeah, play. Yeah. Yep. Just like, I don't know. I don't remember signing a contract to do this podcast topless and bottomless with just the nipple pasties on, but... Somehow it's there. Somehow you keep pointing it out to me. So. You better not be in breach of contract. Oh, I'm not. I will fucking sue your ass. <laughs> sexy, sexy host. <laughs> well, instead of Babington, you know, inheriting this massive estate, Queen Elizabeth said yoink and took the money for herself. Walsingham was still broke and still needed to find his opportunity for a payday. Oh, hmm. What's this? That douchebag Raleigh. Oh, he's planning another expedition. Led by the ship pilot whose balls I keep in a jar on my desk. Ho, 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 ho. And if you can't establish a working colony by 1591, that incredibly valuable contract to settle Virginia will... It'll be up for grabs. Ho, 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 ho. Listen, all y'all, it's a sabotage. Yeah, love that song. Love that video. Well, he doomed the colony before it could even get started. But then John White showed up back in London and started begging for help. And Raleigh immediately said he would send aid. He readied Richard Grenfield for a rescue effort with eight ships. <laughs> but wouldn't you know it? Right as they were about to launch, Walsingham's spies uncovered information that Spain was going to invade England any fucking day now. Oof. Man, it's convenient. I mean, it's it's very inconvenient for those settlers, but uh, you got to protect the mainland, you know? Curious timing. Curious yes. timing. Yeah. The ships were pulled back into naval service, and the rescue effort was called off. In 1588, White actually did get to board a single ship to rescue his colony, but it was attacked by French pirates and forced to return. Then later that summer, the Spanish did actually attack, but were routed by the English mostly thanks to a plan created by Raleigh. But after the victory, the Queen's advisors attacked Raleigh for being too proud of his plan 
and maybe bringing up how Walsingham fucked over his colony. Both he and Grenville were then sent to Ireland to clean up shipwrecks, and the rescue was put off once more. Yeah, and our main source theorizes here, and she does some theorizing, most of it's backed up, this is like the biggest question mark, like why, right after he had this massive victory, they say, hey, okay, fuck off to Ireland, go clean up some, you know, wrecked ships. And, you know, they say he was too proud, and he threw Walsingham under the bus, and everybody's like, well, we just want a big battle and this war and shit, and you're just bringing us down with all this nonsense about how everything's falling apart and everybody's picking on you, so why don't you get the fuck out? And that's kind of her theory there. Bye, Felicia. Yep. Stop harshing our buzz, man. No rescue attempts were launched in 1589. In early 1590, White had another fleet ready to go. But once again, Walsingham cut his hamstrings and said he could take one boat and no extra supplies to a starving colony. Yeah. You can carry one bag. Carry on. The other one's going to be a bag fee. Fuck, I can't afford <laughs> not, that. I'm not paying that $25. No, Fuck no, you. If it doesn't fit in my backpack, it's not going, okay? <laughs> I've got a baby back there. <laughs> yeah. I'm, hope- I'm hoping TSA doesn't catch it, because I do not... <laughs> Want to pay for an extra seat? Oh, it's bullshit. Babies get to seat on, uh, sit on your lap, though. All right, it's not a baby. It's, it's, yeah. He's four. He doesn't speak English, but I'm pretty sure he can tell them that I'm not his father, and that might cause some problems for me going forward. I yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> Those adoption fees are so high. Yes. Yep. And such a long wait list, you know? Such a daunting process. Yeah. So just kidnap the child. Yes. <laughs> I was going to spin that in a positive direction. I just can't do it. I can't. <laughs> I can't. <do> it. <laughs> well, fortunately, Walsingham was suffering from cancer, kidney stones, and diabetes, and died a very painful death in May of 1590 in White was finally able to head back to Roanoke, where he didn't find Dick before, and go ba- before going back home to kill himself. Yay. Happy endings all around, buddy. I mean, at least Walsingham died. <laughs> yeah. That was a fucking piece. <laughs> he was. So, if this theory is correct, and there is a lot of evidence to support it, we can say that Francis Walsingham basically murdered 116 non-Protestant settlers by having his bitch boy Simon Fer- by having his bitch boy Simone Fernandez drop them in hostile territory and then refuse to help them also he could answer unknown phone numbers again without worrying about it being a debt collector but still what the fuck happened to the settlers oh I, I do oh thank god in 1607 a dude named John Smith and a bunch of colonists would form the settlement known as Jamestown, a little bit north of Roanoke Island. He also fucked Pocahontas. Different guy. Uh, I think it's the same guy. No, the other guy, the guy that fucked Pocahontas was animated. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my bad. Sounded a whole lot like Braveheart for some reason. Apology accepted. You, that's crazy. Now I'm thinking about it, that that... That Mel Gibson voiced a uh, dude in a Disney movie and like five years later was like just drunk and ranting about the Jews and getting tossed out of Hollywood. Like that, that was a quick fall from grace. He's back in. Yeah, I know. Mm. 
He's making indie artsy movies now, so we're supposed to like appreciate it or something. I don't know. Well, I never do now. I never forget Mel. Never again. That was a fall from grace. There it was. Well, the settlers of Jamestown, they would look into the missing Roanoke colonists and come to the conclusion they were probably all dead. Huh. Gee. <laughs> Who cracked the case on that one? Yeah, way to go, Sherlock. <laughs> well, that fact would get twisted, and English writers would pick it up and change it to this, you know, theory, basically, that they were all killed by local tribes. Mm-hmm. Which is not at all the conclusion they came to. They just said they were dead. Yeah. They're not here. <laughs> so all of a sudden, it's local tribes fucking definitely killed them. Yep. You're like, oh, those motherfuckers, they wanted their silver cup back. And it's just war. <laughs> <laughs> years and years later. <laughs> but the thing is, John Smith's explorers had spotted a young native boy who had blonde hair and blue eyes. And the local tribes kept talking about how the Europeans had been hanging out with another tribe further inland. When they searched for the missing Europeans, they continued to hear word of four to six European men who had been captured by the Mendoag tribe and had been forced to work as slaves in the copper mines. Here's the fairly strong theory proposed by our main source. The settlers moved inland, just like they told John White they would, and started hanging out with tribes that were still mostly friendly to them. Unfortunately, their Euro diseases wiped out these tribes, who were all allied against the Mendoag tribe. The Mendoag then attacked the Europeans and killed most of them, because, I mean, they were last tribe standing sort of thing. Yeah. But they kept a few of the men for slaves, and a few women as, well, another type of slave, unfortunately. Yeah, gold bikini, having to hang out at Jabba's palace. You know how it goes. Next to, uh, what's that little fucking thing's name? <laughs> I don't know what that thing's name. I hate that thing. Well, uh, Salacious Crumb. Oh, yeah. Little Remember that little thing. piece of shit? I hated that guy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and there are two things that back up this, this theory, you know? Mm-hmm. First, as John Smith's men moved further inland, all the villages they expected to find were abandoned and overgrown. As if the tribes who lived there had all simply disappeared. You know, like they all up and died suddenly. Huh. Yeah. Also, as they explored, they continually found crosses carved into trees. To them, this meant absolutely jack-fucking-shit, right? Mm-hmm. But if John White had been there, and if, listener, you would have been there, you would remember, you would know. It was a sign to indicate the settlers were moving, but were doing so because they were under duress. They were being made to move. But let's be honest right here. If our listener was there, they would die like within the first 72 hours. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. See these people? No way. Oh, no yeah. No way they could fit for themselves. Unlike me. No, 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 no. The ultimate macho man who's seen all these episodes of Man vs. Wild. I'm like, oh, yeah, just drink my piss. Problem solved. Do that anyway. Yeah, I'm already there. So, I'm a survivor. <laughs> so, Chris, listener, yeah. oh. there you have it. A political power play killed off the settlers of the first English colony in America. Well, at least that's the version of the story that we choose to believe the most. I mean, you know, we read that book. Yeah. So, <laughs> yep. That's what we believe. Uh-huh. 
But be sure to come back next week for part two, when we tell you how it was all really aliens and Bermuda Triangles and stuff. <laughs> Just kidding. We're done with this shit. <laughs> End of story. Woo! We did it. We told the story of Roanoke Colony probably better than anyone's ever told it before, including the source we read to tell the story. Yes. I think uh, I think you guys know the, the truth now. You can make it your Tinder profile. Like, I know what happened to Roanoke, and that just starts this whole conversation. You know, next thing you know, you're married, you have kids, life's great, and you have us to thank for it. And a cum boy in your uh, footlocker at the end of your bed. What is it actually called? A little cedar chest thing. Yeah, whatever. Cum <laughs> footlocker <boy>. works. <laughs> cum boy is the important part. That's the operative words. Yes. Listen, if we're going to focus on anything here, it's come boy. If you didn't learn anything else from this episode, come boy. Just remember come boy. It's pristine 18-year-old boy. That, mm-hmm. And what he actually does in the bedroom with you and your wife, that's very open to interpretation. <laughs> we, we left that ambiguous. Yes. Just like his sexuality. The cum right. bucket, not so ambiguous. <laughs> no, you know what that's for. <laughs> All right. Well, we got a little bit more to go. Just a few little more things to cover that we call Fast Facts. Fast Fact number one. The urbanite Londoners, who the Puritans were looking to flee, are known as London Cockneys, a term that still exists to this day and refers to East Londoners. Back then, the term was originally pronounced Cockney because these citizens of London were so urbanized and dumb they thought roosters or cocks neighed like horses. Mine still does. Fast fact number two. Darby Gland probably thought the Spanish would roid... Roid him? <laughs> he jacked as fuck. <laughs> probably thought the Spanish would reward him for telling them that the colonists were headed for Roanoke. And they did. With a seven-year prison sentence. But hey... He didn't die on Roanoke, so silver linings, right? Fast fact number three. The flyboat that arrived with supplies after being stranded in Portugal and then gave John White a ride back home was piloted by a dude named Edward Spicer. Spicer also volunteered to take White back to Virginia in 1590 because Spicer actually gave a shit about the colonists' survival. Unfortunately, his ship struck a reef and sank, and Spicer was never seen again. Fast fact number four. In the late 1930s, a man found a stone that he took to a university for study. Known as a Dare Stone, it was allegedly etched by Eleanor Dare, daughter of Governor John White, and it detailed the death of her husband and infant daughter in 1591. A media circus ensued, and another 47 Dare Stones were recovered. Scientists were able to prove the other 47 were frauds, but the legitimacy of the original Dare Stone is still unknown. All right, thank you guys for listening to episode 96. Can you believe it, Greg? Only four more episodes until you are contractually freed from this hellhole. Still four. (laughs) God. You can go back to living your life, not thinking about stupid shit from history. Release me! (laughs) But uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it. We hope you enjoy the show. Be sure to check us out at 100 Proof History on all social media. 
You can also find us at 100proofhistory.com. There you will find, you know, some information on us, a few links, specifically a link to our Patreon, where for just $3 a month, you can get bonus episodes on video. Uh, you can get early access to new episodes and like, I don't know, like, what would we say, like a hundred things that aren't available to normal humans? Basically a million, yeah, give or take. Yeah. The universe will suffer heat death before you finish listening to everything we've recorded for you on the Patreon. Not guaranteed. Yeah. You, well, they don't fucking, once they pay, they, they there's nothing they can do about it. Um. So yeah, check that out. We thank you guys for listening. For Wolf Dick, uh, for Dan the Interim Man, I am Chris. I thank you for listening. Greg. Main host with the uh, the most amazing mustache I've ever seen in my life. What do you have to say to these humans? Come bucket, 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 come bucket. Goodbye. Bye. You know, you go to the truck stop, bad things happen too many times, all of a sudden you're carrying the knife. I'll go into the woods and kill myself like that laundry boy.